all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your co-host, Mike Slatman. I've got 45 years of experience as an expert fire investigator. I'm honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And I am currently um, not only the president of Fire Consulting and Case Review International, but I have a division that we've just formed called Consolidated Fire Investigation Services with over 200 fire investigators throughout the United States. And uh, and my co-host is with us. This is Donna Ingram, and I have almost 30 years' experience in fire and fraud, and I'm a past director of the IAAI, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. Right. And uh, we have, uh, we're honored to have um, a very intelligent uh, associate professor in fire and arson explosion investigation degree program at Eastern Kentucky University, Greg Gorbett, and he um, he's a vice chair of the Fire and Arson Investigator Journal for the IAAI and a principal member of the 921 uh, Committee, NFPA 921 Committee on Fire and Explosions Investigator uh, Investigations, and a principal member of NFPA 1033, the standard for uh, professional qualifications uh, for fire investigator. He also has two master's de- of science degrees, one in executive fire service leadership and the other in fire protection engineering. And in his part-time, he, uh, he wrote a book with, uh, with uh, co-wrote a book with Jim uh, Farr uh, called Fire Dynamics. And I want to add he has two bachelor's degrees in fire science and forensic science and a Ph.D. in fire protection engineering. So I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably speaking with someone that can definitely address the topic of education and fire investigation. Well, yes, he spent most of his life in school. <laughs> Isn't that right, Craig? Yeah, I just still haven't figured out what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're here. And, and you were on our, um, our TV show in, uh, in Las Vegas. And uh, so that is still available, by the way, on demand at uh, voiceamerica.tv in case you want to see Greg Gorbett in person and not just a disembodied voice. Um, <laughs> we wanted to talk to you about your, um, what, about your program. Uh, I've been uh, lucky enough to be down at uh, EKU with you. And uh, that Bachelor of Science in Fire and Arson Investigations, uh, uh, t- can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, yeah, we appreciated you coming down here. You came up here for that courtroom testimony class, and that was a, that was a good time. Um, the, the program here, we have a Bachelor's of Science degree in fire, arson, and explosion investigation, and that's a four-year degree, and it's, um, so we focus quite a bit on the science side of, of fire. Um, it's both on campus and online, and if it's online, then there's a residency requirement, so we, we still force everybody to come to campus and get their hands dirty. But um, that's, that's kind of the, the general um, standpoint behind it, but uh, we were producing the future fire and explosion investigators. Um, they're being hired up all over the place. 
Yes, they are. And I, as a matter of fact, I've run across more than one of your students, not only in uh, the expert witness testimony program where I'm the principal instructor, um, facilitator, but also um, out in the field where um, they're working for uh, different major carriers in their um, fire investigations units. So you're doing something right. I know that. And uh, we appreciate you. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and as you can tell us, because we're encouraging people to uh, to join the fire investigations uh, aspect of of, uh, of fire service, and uh, and so your program is 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 phenomenal. Um, it's superior. Uh, what kind of? Uh, it's four years, but you said you have to bring people down. Uh, a couple. I know. I, I have my. Um, my grandson looking at going to your to EKU, and and you actually have them come to campus for two different, at least two different times, right? Yeah. So if they're an on-campus student, then that's your traditional eighteen to twenty-year-old that comes out of high school or back from the military, and they come here and and then they attend all the classes on campus. We chose about nine years ago now to place. Uh, we have three different degrees, uh, the investigation degree being one of them. But we chose to put the administration degree, the guys who want to ride that big red truck, on first uh, online. And uh, so that went out about nine years ago. And we always wanted to get the investigation degree and our engineering tech degree also online. Um, and we finally got that done because logistically it was a little bit harder for both of those degrees to go online. But uh, about five years ago now, we, we took um, the investigation degree online as well. And uh, the point behind that is there's a lot of practicing professionals that, um, that don't have a degree and aren't going to come back to campus like your traditional 18 to 20-year-old uh, because they have a career and a family. And so what we offer them is the opportunity to continue their education, uh, the majority of that of which is online, and then they can attend um, campus for uh, two seven-day residencies uh, over the summer where they come in and we do a lot of uh, fire scenarios and appliance failures and uh, explosion scenes, and they have to process those scenes, and then the second half of the summer they are writing reports. I wanted to ask you uh, about accreditation. What is accreditation? Is is there... I know at different campuses, so if they, they come and they have a certain amount from one of their community colleges, how does that all work? So, um, yeah, so accreditation is, is important, you know, across the board here lately with uh, the forensic sciences in general, but uh, for degrees in education, they've always kind of been there. So if you were to go to your, your traditional community college or your four-year college in the state, um, or a private institution, typically they're going to be accredited through uh, regional accreditation. And what that means is so like Harvard and Michigan State and you name the, the school, most of those larger schools are going to be regionally accredited. And so they'll have a regional body. We're under the Southern uh, Accreditation Congress. It's SACS is what it's, it's short for. But um, mm-hmm. they come in and they, they check to make sure, just like any accreditation body, they check to make sure that you are doing what you're saying you're doing, and uh, mm-hmm. they they ensure that there's um, that you're meeting all the criteria to to keep the students safe and and uh, to make sure that you're tracking all of that stuff as well. And then there's um, nationally accredited, and nationally accredited is kind of like your your uh, let's see, ITT techs, your tech schools, and mm-hmm. um, those are different. 
Uh, they're just a different accreditation body altogether, and you can't cross those over. So there are some programs out there that are education that uh, that we would not be able to accept. But the majority of um, like transfer classes, uh, as long as they're regionally accredited, then we can we can accept those. Um, but so that's that's our regionally accredited. So the university is regionally accredited, which we're obviously a part of the university. But then we've taken it further, and we went out and got third party. Um, accreditation, and we went through IFSAC uh, for okay. our degrees. So all three of our fire degrees are IFSAC accredited, and then our engineering tech is also ABET accredited, which means students can go for their professional engineering um, license after graduating from here. But your basic uh, algebra, composition, things like that can transfer over and then everything from there. Yep. Yep. So okay. any, if you take a algebra from a regionally accredited school, which is like your community colleges and everything, they can transfer here and vice versa. That's great. And what about, uh, well, so for some of our listeners, this goes all over the world and, and they, they won't know necessarily what ISAC is. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, it's the International Fire Service Accreditation Congress. Right. Um, I think a Fire Service Accreditation Congress. Yeah, ISAC. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure that uh, that other people in other con- countries know uh, we have a, a, a following in uh, in Sweden, a large following following in Sweden and also in France, and uh, and we're very happy about that. And and people listen to us from all over the world, um, and we appreciate you very much. So, the, about the online degree now, you on, on, online they can take a, um, classes online and then come to. Yeah, the way my grandson looked at it, and he said, oh, wow, I get to go down there in like two weeks. I get to go down there and take everything apart, apart that's uh, that's like uh, any kind of uh, manufactured item that will cause fires. And then later on, we get to go down and burn everything. That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> is, is that generally correct? What, it's, oh, it? yeah. It's, a, you know. It's everything I've wanted to do since I was three years old and used to get in trouble for, but now I get paid to do it. So, uh, <laughs> And I, I think most fire guys and gals are kind of the same like-minded. So, yeah, we get them, we get them in there tearing stuff apart and then get them down and, and seeing how we can make those things fail and, and cause fires. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Jamie Novak always says uh, three. There's only three things that uh, that that causes fires: is men, women, and children. And um, and on top of that, that uh, you know, he likes to burn things, blow things up, and he's always liked to do that. So um, all of us do. We we do test burns. And and you um, on that uh, on the on the two weeks you have them down, you really do take a um, apart furnaces and and uh, dryers and and all kinds of things, right? That's right. And because I've I've always been of the the mindset. Um, you can't know how something fails and causes a fire until you know how it works. So the first thing we do is focus on kind of getting the the understanding of how it works, and then we can start figuring out how it could potentially fail and cause a fire. Yeah, that's now that would be valuable to anybody in the in the line of uh, in the service here, uh, whether you're public or private, uh, police or fire. Um, uh, private investigators. Uh, I can see. Uh, well, I, in fact, I go all over the country on commercial kitchen fire losses, and uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fire departments and and police uh, and um, and uh, 
And private investigators, frankly, do, do not understand the systems. And if they, if they did understand how these things worked, they could certainly talk about the failure, uh, failure uh, mechanism. Um, now, you also, in the second part, uh, then you come down and you burn things. Now, how does that work? Do you just do burn cells or do you do burn structures or what? Uh, so we have uh, 20 different setups that we can do uh, in our buildings, and each of them have their own sub-panel, so we can actually do arc mapping, and, and we set those up based on different scenarios. So we go from everything from a garage to living rooms to bedrooms to shops to um, whatever furniture we can find. Uh, there's, you know, we've done bathrooms and all that type of stuff. So we do, we try to change up the scenarios as much as possible. Um, we also include uh, vehicle fires, and occasionally we'll do some heavy machinery or um, those types of things as well. I'm going to ask you a kind of a two-prong question because I'm, a, I'm always out for a good deal. So one part of the question is those, those materials, those things, those, that equipment, do you get donations or is this something that uh, you have to buy? That's the first part of my question, and then I have a second question. Uh, we do a pretty good job of, of begging <laughs> as much as we possibly can. Um, and, and then we do have good arrangements with like Lowe's to get reduced cost on um, sh- sheet, uh, sheetrock and drywall. And then we have uh, 84 Lumber. Uh, we actually hired the son of the manager of 84 Lumber, which tend to help give us some form of a, a discount on our lumber. Um, but as far as furniture and gizmos, uh, we try to find as much as we can and whatever uh, we can't find and we end up having to buy, but uh, we try to reduce the cost as much as possible. I didn't um, know if there were any grants out there. <laughs> we have gotten a few. Uh, we, don't, we don't get a lot of grants here. The state does a pretty good job. Kentucky State uh, gives um, a couple smaller grants that we we shoot for every year and we usually get so that that is helpful especially when we do research we have to have brand new furniture because uh typically when the students leave at the end of the year uh, for summer a lot of them especially if they're seniors just leave everything so we just go and take everything (laughs) now we have we have new setups yeah (laughs) so those work for the students when we're doing those kind of scenarios but when we're uh shooting for research then we want to have a little bit more um, less variables. Right. Well, so you got a lot of uh, very small refrigerators that you can burn at all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, kegerators. Um, and, and <laughs> that leads into the second part of it, which was I was going to ask about scholarships. I, I don't know if the let the listeners know the ones that are out there wanting to attend and do this, what type of scholarships. I know the IWI at one point had. Uh, scholarship program uh, is that something you participate in? Yes, um, so we we actually have quite a few uh, scholarships that are out there. There's uh, the general ones such as um, NFPA. They they do a five grand um, scholarship, which is usually really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. The Society of Fire Protection Engineers they they have a, a running. Um, scholarship funds. And we also have a couple that are internal uh, here. 
such as um, there's a couple donors that have given money. There's an Arthur Gladfelter scholarship. We actually have a website that ha- I'm reading off the website right now for you. Oh, okay. And I can send you that link. But there's a whole bunch of uh, donored ones that uh, that people can um, can go for. Uh, they all vary between you know five hundred dollars all the way up to. Uh, five grand. We do have the the recent one that is specific to fire and explosion investigators, and that's the John A. Kennedy um, Memorial Scholarship um, that was co-sponsored through um, the National Association of Fire Investigators. And that's mm-hmm. you have to be a fire investigation major for that one. So that one goes specifically to this degree. Can you go ahead and give our listeners the website, please? Just go ahead and say it a couple of times, because this will be replayed, by the way. So you're live now, but later everybody in the world's going to hear it. Okay, sure. Um, so it's fire and safety, uh, all spelled out, fireandsafety.eku.edu, and then backslash um, scholarships. So fireandsafety.eku.edu backslash scholarships. Thank you. And just a regular, and just a regular one is uh, the firesafety.eku.edu for just to look at your program, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so so talk to me about uh, one other thing. The the secondary thing when when you. Um, when you do this, the burns, uh, you were talking about the fire research. I know that you did a lot of research on, on your fire dynamics books, and that's available through Brady. Um, and, uh, and it's fire dynamics, Greg E. Gorbett and James L. Farr, P-H-A-R-R. Gorbett is G-O-R-B-E-T-T. That's still available. And um, I don't know if you got another one in the, if you got another one in the uh, offing. Are you going to uh, we have, you yeah, follow we, up? We had a second edition that came out uh, just this year. Uh, ah. So we have a second edition. We added a second uh, or an additional co-author on there, uh, Scott Rockwell. Um, mm. He's a pretty smart guy, PhD, fire protection engineer. And uh, we added more examples and more questions is what we really focused on in that uh, second edition. And it's called, is it still called Fire Dynamics? What's it called? Yep. Uh, still okay. fire dynamics. It's just second edition now. Second edition. Well, good. Well, I'm going to have to get that because I've got the other one, and uh, and I've I've read through it. Go ahead. I just want to let the listeners know this is uh, some of the chapters is math review, chemistry review. Uh, this is really a good basic foundation type book for you to understand. A fire dynamics, it's actually going to take you at the very beginning and then go through ignitable liquids. I see ignition, extinguishment even. So this is an excellent book. Yes, and I wish Sister Mary Holywater would have been able to teach my silly self uh, more about math. Yeah. I, I, got, I got lost in fractions. I'm not sure I've recovered. Okay, but anyway, but so what do you do to us challenge students in math um, with Greg? What do you, you've got, I know you you have great students. I went down there and I met a bunch of them and I meet them, like I said, everywhere on the road. Oh, by the way, you want to, you want to try and tell them when they get out of your school that they're not experts yet. <laughs> that they, they still need a little experience. Uh, oh yeah, a experience of them. still plays a big role in this, in this profession. Yes. You're right. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say that too. I mean, uh, it's a, it's a, it wasn't a joke, but I know you help, uh, you help uh, your students uh, get through. And um, as a matter of fact, a lot of the people, um, the, the fire investigators that are here in this country, um, the, I, you're a member of the IAAI. I see you at the uh, international training conference all the time, and. Um, and uh, they just had a, an article, which I'm going to talk to. Uh, Rod Pevito is going to be on here in the second half, uh, the CFI chair. Uh, we're going to talk about that survey uh, that they did for arson investigations uh, and uh, fire investigators. And we're going to say, um, and it says, are we facing the demise of of fire investigators, uh, the fire investigators? Now, you're making sure that there's not going there's always going to be fire investigators, are you not? Yeah, we're trying. Yeah, we're trying to produce the next generation of them. Right. Well, that, I think it's really great because most of us came out of uh, police or uh, fire, actually, first, our police work, and uh, and then got into it and then had to study the science. Now, you're you're doing the science, and then you're putting them out there in the street to get the the um, – the empirical, uh, the actually the experience. So we're we're happy that you're there. Um, is there? Well, let's let how the uh, how costly is this program? Do you do you have any idea what the, what the next semester is going to be costing these? Uh, and we've only got about four minutes left. Go ahead. Yeah, they they do it by credit hour. So I believe it's like three ninety five a credit hour. Um, it might even be a little bit lower than that, but it's a, it's a couple hundred dollars a credit hour and then um, each class is usually three credit hours right and and so and and is that uh, the online or is that also uh, I imagine that's, it's, yes that's online yeah right? sorry that's online that's, yeah yeah and then uh, and of course uh, your students let's talk about in-state out-of-state is there uh, is there a, there's a little tariff on that yeah, it is usually cheaper um, for in-state if you were coming to campus. Um, I'm looking it up right now. There's a full-time Kentucky residence. It's like a little over $4,000 per semester. And then full-time out-of-state, it's a it's a little under $9,000. So it's almost double the price if you're out-of-state. But then they have different um, ways around that with dealing with um, if your state does not offer a similar program, then they usually do um, some kind of waiver to allow you to have uh, to take the class here, and it depends on which state you're in. Right, oh, that's but great. There's there's some assistance out there for for that type of stuff. Well, fantastic! I didn't know anybody else offered as good a program as you do. So, yeah. are, are well, similar? They just, yeah, they don't. Um, they look to see if there's any fire program in your state, and if there's not, then then sometimes they'll give you a, a discount to come into into the state here. Well, KU does have a KU. Of course, they all all the states uh, the, the state universities have some kind of a fire tech degree or something like that. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't trying to dis dis any states. Uh, you know, disrespect right. the states. I, I am saying this is yours is a really pointed program when it when it says um, when it says that you're the um, uh, fire arson and explosion investigation degree program that's that's pretty specific uh, and um <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah and not only that but you um australia uh, uh the stewart um university had one uh, ross brogan ross brogan uh, who used to be uh one of their representative and still teaches there um there are some other 
I imagine in the world, are there any uh, comparable uh, programs that you're aware of uh, in uh, in the world? Uh, nothing that does what we do. Uh, there's a there's a master's degree. I think there's two master's degrees um, that are international out there, and then um, there is a fire and explosives master's degree at Oklahoma State University. Um, but I believe that's only for public officials under their forensic science program. And then University of New Haven, um, I believe, has a fire science degree, and then they, uh, they do a, cl- a few classes in the investigation uh, side of the house as well. Well, I'm a little surprised that you don't have all of those just yet. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean You all yourself, of... Greg. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think I'm done with, uh, with that side of the education. <laughs> Well, you, uh, I, I'll tell you what, you're, you're a great guy, and I really appreciate your being with us. Um, is there anything in, in the last uh, minute or, and a half or so that you can share with us that you would encourage uh, people to go into fire investigations? Anything you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, thanks for having me on, first of all. And then uh, secondly, I guess any parting advice is just don't stop learning. Um, that's the reason I kept going with the degrees. Um, there's just a ton still to be done in this field and a ton of research still needed in this field. And um, it's always new gizmos coming out that can possibly fail and start fires. So it's never going to end. So we need to need to keep working and learning. And before we let you go, I'd like, you to, I'd like to ask you one more time to give your website address, please. Yeah, it's uh, fireandsafety.eku.edu. Uh, fireandsafety.eku.edu. Well, thank you very much for being here. Um, you've you've done great work, and uh, and I'm still going to encourage my uh, grandson to come down there and and uh, take everything apart and then burn it the next time he's down there. So um, <laughs> so um, and in the future, what have, have you got anything coming up in the future in our last minute here? Uh, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing some burns this summer, um, which hopefully will re- produce some cool research and, uh, and go from there. But, uh, other than that, we're, we're going to go to Jamaica and teach the police and forensic science down there. That'll be fun. But, uh, other than that, the summer is kind of quiet. <laughs> awesome. Can I go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, look, you, you can. St- you get, we're going to have Rod Pevito, the chairman of the um, CFI, which is a Certified Fire Investigator Committee for the International Association of Arson Investigators, and we still do have a scholarship program through our foundation, the IAAI Foundation. And you can stick if you if you have time, but I know that you're busy too. You either way. Um, Thanks we'll, so much. Uh, we thank you so very much. Uh, if, if you stick, uh, well, I'll talk to you on the other side of the break. If you don't, uh, well, we really appreciate you. So uh, when you come back, I want you to come back to Speaking of Fire. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. 
Our experienced certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact fireanalysis.net. That's fireanalysis.net. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Yes, and today we have uh, Rod Pevito, and it, Rod is the uh, chairman of the, the Certified Fire Investigator Committee for the International Association of Arson Investigators. Uh, he, is, he has a, a prior experience a lot in fire investigations. He was a special agent with the Wisconsin Department of Justice uh, Division of Criminal Investigation and served as a director and uh, past president of the uh, Wisconsin chapter, and then later as a director and and now past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators, I'm pleased to to count him as one of my friends. And uh, I I welcome to uh, speaking of fire again, uh, Rod. I know you've been on before. Well, thank you very much for the uh, invitation to be part of the program today, Mike and Don. Thanks. Well, Thanks. So anyway, uh, we wanted to talk, uh, we're talking about education for fire uh, and become fire investigators. Now, the IWAI has been teaching uh, since its its founding, uh, its professionalism through education around the world. And uh, and can you tell us a a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, about some of the educational opportunities that fire investigators can get and, and people that want to go into in fire investigations. What kind of, uh, what kind of classes are, what are online or, or in person that they can get, Ron? Sure. Well, you know, it, 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 as you've explored earlier, you have the, the emerging university programs, which are certainly good, and I'm sure Greg did an outstanding job just explaining those opportunities. But, you know, traditionally and still maintains, most of the people are coming out of the public sector or are still in the public sector, and they're working in police and fire agencies and, and then branching off into fire investigations. So they're looking for the specialized training that goes with that, and Along those terms, uh, if you're a government employee, probably one of the most common places to go is the National Fire Academy out in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and they have a, a two-week fire investigation class there that is uh, basically free to any public sector employee who is applies and is accepted for the program. And 
Uh, I think the only expense is, is the meal cost. They actually fly you there and house you there for two weeks. Um, and that's a great program. It's a great foundation, a great starting place in fire investigation knowledge. Uh, one of the interesting things I think that's evolved with that program there is, um, you know, when it was first founded, the first day of class, so to speak, you learned how to spell fire because everybody was coming in and they were relatively new to fire investigation. Yeah. And what they've done is uh, they now have prerequisite courses before you attend the two-week program. And those prerequisite courses are the CFI trainer program, which is, you know, hosted by through the IAAI. And we have roughly 50 different programs there with world-leading experts on subject matters related to fire investigation. It's free to anybody to go take. And they use that as one of their building blocks as students are coming there. So it's, it's something that CFI Trainer is such a great resource to all investigators, new and continuing education-wise. And then they blend it into the programs. And similarly, the Fire Academy has a couple different classes, the two-week class. They have an expert witness class that's two weeks long. Uh, they have um, advanced fire dynamics, a few other things. Those are all really great programs, but they may not be available to everybody, and not everybody can take two weeks off and go to a class like that. And we see some of the vocational technical colleges having um, semester-type classes that might be available. And then through the IAAI, we have numerous classes that are available. The first level of classes are through our chapters and in the United States and throughout North America, we have numerous chapters around, and most of them will host uh, a one or two times a year a conference. And they might be multi-day conferences. And one of the really nice things about the local chapters is it has an ability to deal with local issues or things that have to be localized knowledge. Um, you know, I live in northern Wisconsin, and the use of wood stoves is a real common problem in causing fires. And the local chapter addresses that, knowing that that's a frequent need for its fire investigators. And so yes. they offer great educational opportunities close by, a lot of times over the course of a weekend, trying to accommodate everybody's work schedule. And yes, then, of course, the IWI itself has uh, numerous classes. And we're continuing to develop more of those. And we host those throughout the United States and, and throughout some of the other countries. And uh, those are 921 updates, the expert witness program, fire dynamics, um, photo forensic photography, um, electrical aspects of fire investigation, just to name a few. Uh, those are usually multiple-day programs, um, and they come to the local students again. And those are great opportunities to uh, participate in uh, classes, again, instructed by well-recognized leaders in the industry. Yes, in fact, the matter is we've got we've, the IWI just has a new uh, training, um, a regional training manager, Gary Thornsonson, and he, um, I know he and Trace Lawless, the uh, educational, the T&E chairman, uh, are, are very um ambitious and, and uh, energetic and getting some things on the road. Uh, as of CFITrainer.net, uh, we went, I know that uh, I was listening to uh, Kirk Hankins, who is your co-chair, uh, and he said that you've, uh, you've gone over to, you got over 120 uh, countries and have uh, over a million hours 
of uh, training. Is that correct? Uh, that 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 much training in CFI trainer, right? Uh, undoubtedly, and it it is such a fantastic program because it, it you know a, a student who is let's say that you're a career firefighter and it's uh, in the evening and it's your free time at the station. You can sit down at the computer and take a class, and if it's interrupted because of a fire run or whatever, you go back and start where you, you left off. It's a tested training. Uh, it keeps you sharp. It's, it's such a great resource. And it's also a great resource for the experienced people. I know that you use it, Mike, yourself. I know I do. Um, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for investigators and, and myself to do it if I have a special case coming up. Let's say it's a case that might involve uh, different aspects of electrical. Uh, I'll go back and take a re- retake the class just to you know keep sharp and, and knowledge areas that are important to me so I can do the very best of my in my you know job responsibilities yes as a matter of fact the uh, NFPA 1033 has 16 areas of our topics that you have to um, maintain current in beyond the high school level so IAAI trains um, many people and, and through CFITrainer.net and the local chapters and the International Training Conference on those 16 things. And uh, so we want you to we want you to come to that. I, uh, I want to talk about CFI Trainer for a moment and I know that those are tested programs. What um, th- does that that is a good litmus test for, your uh, area of expertise when you get into a courtroom setting? Yes, I, I really think it is. Uh, there are some classes that are very specific to very, you know, very specific topic areas. They're great for the experienced investigator. It may be new knowledge, and at the very least, it's a great refresher to see that. And, um, you know, who amongst us doesn't go back and reread a textbook at times just to refresh our memory and stay sharp on certain areas, see if my trainer can be used the same way. In addition to that, uh, there is two modules on there on testimony in a deposition format, and they're extremely well done. And before somebody goes to a deposition, it, it would really behoove them to sit and refresh their memory on that and take a look at that because, uh, you know, we are judged by our final work product not only in our investigation, but in our presentation of our investigation, and whether that's through courtroom testimony or deposition, it can be a make-or-break moment for any professional. So CFI Trainer answers a lot of different training aspects for the new and the experienced people. Well, you know, I really appreciate your saying that about those deposition modules since I was a co-chairman of both of them. I can't believe that you actually liked it very much. So <laughs> it's good. Okay, so so Donna has another question, I know. I, I, I want to make a statement, and I want the listeners to understand what's happening in in our industry, in our profession. And that is you do need to start tracking your hours you need to put that on your curriculum vitae's, uh, even as a public servant. These are the things that are needed if you ever want to. In the private world, uh, it's it, the corporate offices and insurance industry is actually asking how many hours do you have in this particular subject. And so it is time to start tracking your education to a T and to the hour with dates, put it on your curriculum vitae, 
print those certificates that you get from CFI trainer, get the certificate. Take the tested hours at your chapter meetings, at your international. These are the things that you're going to need for credibility. At the end of the day, it's something our our great uh, 921 chair says, uh, NFPA 921, Randy Watson says, there's only one seat in a witness chair. So you get into a courtroom setting, you're on your own. All these classes, instructors, all these experts, all of us are not going to be there holding your hand. And these are the things that are going to make or break you as an expert. That's great. And, and yeah, and, and Rod, along those lines, let's talk about something dear to your heart, the IAAI Certified Fire Investigator um, uh, Program. Talk to, talk to us about it. How do you get it? Well, the, the CFI program is a, is a, a very... It's a well-recognized program throughout the world as a level of accomplishment for fire investigators. And it involves a multitude of areas that reflect the requirements you spoke of in NFPA 1033, the job performance requirements for a fire investigator. We tend to break it down in respective areas. You have to have so much experience. Four years of being a full-time fire investigator, five years being a part-time and there are a certain number of fires that you have to do during that time. So there's that experience, that hands-on aspect that's very important. Uh, we give certain points for certain levels of, in these respective areas, uh, additional experience. Um, were you a police officer? Were you a firefighter? Because you learn things in those professions, whether it's interviewing or fire science or firefighting tactics that you bring over to a fire investigator. We look at training, and we give points for training with the core points being from, you know, fire investigation, fire science, fire dynamics, and we award more points for tested programs. We, we strongly recommend tested programs um, because of their credibility and, and showing an accomplishment of knowledge on the part of the, the student, if you will. Uh, another important point is having the experience of testifying as an expert witness, either in the courtroom or in a deposition. And for those who don't have that ability to do that in their profession, you know, we accommodate by accepting several different classes, including the one by the IAAI, as giving that student the same experience of going into the courtroom and being challenged, just like Donna was saying, um, you know, by an attorney and going through that whole process of uh, being challenged on our work product and understanding how to defend it, how to define it, how to explain it, because ultimately decisions are made by judges or juries, and it's part of our job to help them understand not only the evidence, but, you know, the fire science and how we apply our job and why it's meaningful when we say there's a certain type of intensity pattern in an area or whatever. So we look at all of those things, and then we have a minimum number of points in respective areas. And once you have that application, then you can challenge the test, which is uh, roughly a 100-question test, uh, multiple choice. Um, and it's a difficult test. And it's mainly based on NFPA 921, which is our guide for fire investigation that correlates to 1033. And if you've successfully passed the test, you will receive the CFI credential, but only for five years. And at the end of five years, you have to recertify, showing that you've continued your experience, continuing your education. Because as we well know, 
this field continues to evolve every single day. It absolutely the, does. Uh, yeah, and, and by having the recertification, we are attesting that our people are, you know, continuing that professional development that comes with CFI. And uh, so that's a very important point. Yeah, uh, and, and one it, other point, actually. Go ahead. No, sorry, no, I'm uh, sorry. One, it's, go ahead. Sure. One point that I would like to encourage for people that are considering going into the field of fire investigation. Let's say you're a firefighter, volunteer, or career, a police officer, whatever you might be coming from and all that. Use the CFI program as your guide for what the, are the things that you need to do not only to get CFI, but in career development. When I was with the state of Wisconsin as a special agent, we were using CFI to say, when we brought somebody into the fire investigation unit, we wanted them to get their CFI within four or five years. And so it became the outline, if you will, in that professional development for the fire investigator, and at the same time, help them be able to challenge the CFI exam. I have a quick question for you, Rod, because I and I do not know this. Internationally, the CFI is an international designation. What other countries is that in any type of a legal setting uh, becoming important besides the United States? Well, we have CFIs that are throughout the world, certainly in Canada, a lot of them in Central and South America, uh, in Hong Kong recently, throughout Europe, um, uh, you know, I know we just had a, somebody from the United Arab Emirates take the test. Um, what's happening is with the emphasis in NFPA 921 being more of a global document than just a North American document, if you will, mm-hmm. the certification is becoming very important. Now, I can't tell you which courtrooms look at it and say it's very important. But as you said earlier, Donna, when you get into that courtroom, and you are proving that you've had the education and the testing and the knowledge, CFI is certainly one of the ways to do it. And that's why it's sought out by people from all around the world. Yes, and matter of fact, you don't even have to be a member of the International Association of Arson Investigators to take the test, do you? No, we, uh, because we're, the program is, is accredited by the Professional Qualifications Board, the Pro Board, we don't discriminate against non-members and members of IAAI. In addition to that, I would just mention that the program is also accredited by the Forensic Specialties Accreditation Board, the Forensic Science people, if you will, because fire investigation is one of those sciences, and that they have looked at our program and accredited us by following you know, correct procedures and testing and test security and, and administration of the program. So we're very proud to have both of those accreditations. And I'm going to take exception to the two of you of what you just said and create some controversy. I think that uh, we should because I'm the chair of the membership committee for the IAAI, (laughs) and I think everybody should be a member. So (laughs) I encourage everyone, whether you can get your CFI designation or not, to join the international because of the networking because of these things, because of the conversations that we have in the access to the experts like Rod, like our prior guest, like Greg, this all happens through the international. This isn't somebody you're just going to bump into in a coffee shop. So you really do need uh, membership. What about me? You can bump into me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you're all over the place. You yeah. would bump into him in a coffee shop. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, wait a minute now. So, so how much does a membership cost in the IAAI? Well, it's $100 a year. 
um, eight, that breaks down to $8.33 a month. You don't get to pay monthly. You have to pay it all up front. But that's about two and a half Starbucks coffees a month. And you can be the member of a nine over 9,000 member international organization that is world renowned. We are the experts in fire investigation. So that was a word from our sponsor. Now let's go back to, we don't have a sponsor. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, um, Pebito, sir, you, um, when, when you go to another country, they have different types of legal systems, correct? Yes. And so what do you do about that? Since you, I mean, I know we have an expert witness uh, requirement because I'm part of the expert witness testimony uh, task force. So what about, uh, what about that? What do you do about those guys? Well, uh, the best way to explain it is I can give you the example which we recently just addressed. Uh, in Brazil, expert witnesses do not provide verbal testimony as we understand it here in the United States. They will get written questions from the judge and they respond in writing with a sworn affidavit back and forth to address you know, specific things from the court in that matter. And that's where their legal system operates. Well, in effect, they are providing expert testimony to the judge through their sworn affidavit and responses to questions from legal counsel as well as the judge in that matter. So after the people from Brazil came in and they gave us a presentation on how their legal um, program works, we, as far as the IAACFI committee, allowed um, their requirement to be that they have two occasions where they have actually filed the sworn affidavits to the court in response to a question for the court and doing that type of testimony because that's the standard of their system. And so we do make these accommodations for the legal systems that are in the different countries uh, like that. So not everything is going to be based on taking the witness stand and uh, being cross-examined or direct examination as we understand it here in the United States. Thank you for saying that because that was going to be my next question is I knew about uh, some of the uh, South America that it's a completely different system and and they're not providing testimony on the stand. So I appreciate you letting the world know. And and, and I I wanted to bring that up because of the international listeners. We we have listeners all over the world. uh, Poland, Russia, um, uh, Germany, you know, France, uh, Sweden. Uh, we have a lot in Sweden, France. Um, and so thank you in the United Kingdom, of course. I want to talk about one other thing that's very important, and it, it was just a subject of, uh, of the Fire and Arson Investigator magazine. It's are we facing the demise of origin and cause investigators? And we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, what's your feeling about uh uh, this I know um, we talked about it. I'm I'm an older guy, and so I'll be getting out some sometime when I well I don't know when I'm going to die, but that's when I'll get out. But uh, tell me about what you, what's your feelings about that, Rod? Well, you know, as you said earlier in the show, that you know some of the surveys show that that 25% of the investigators are going to retire in the next five years. But I, I think that traditionally. As long as we're still in the phase where most people are getting into the profession from police and fire service, we also should look at what time of life they're getting into the profession of fire investigation. And I'd be willing to say that the majority of people are coming into fire investigation in their 40s and 50s, 
and then going to a retirement and maybe moving into the private sector. So I think we're normally an older group of professionals just by our nature and how we have evolved. And until the programs like the college degree programs that uh, you spoke of earlier become the dominant way to move into the profession, we will always be a group that will be gray-haired and near retirement, if you will, uh, just because of how we advanced in our careers. That's yes, and uh, and yeah, we, I talked to Greg Gorbett uh, at length about the the new students coming in and and uh, and that they need to recognize that they need they need the guidance once they sort of like going through a police academy. When you get out, uh, now you go in the street, and and a lot of things are become clear to you. That there's no difference in that in fire investigations. In that uh, when you get out of college. Uh, you want to go into this uh, now? You now you got to go with the with the older guy that shows you this is how it really works. <laughs> now you are also a private investigator, and I know that uh, we've got about thirty seconds for you to tell us about who you're working for and and where are you working. Well, I, I, I'm a resident of the state of Wisconsin, so I normally work in the Midwest area. Uh, myself and, and two other individuals, uh, we. We work as private fire investigators, mainly for insurance companies and uh, some law firms and product manufacturers. And uh, I just did a fire this morning, and I'm on my way to another one later on this afternoon. So, uh, you know, I never knew when the fires were going to happen, but they, uh, I wish I could predict them a little better. It helped work <laughs> my, my work schedule, and I, I, I'm looking forward to your next show when you can tell how we can predict what fires will happen, Mike. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a, I got a broken crystal ball myself. So, anyway, Brad, we sure do appreciate you joining us, especially in between fires. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And you're, you're terrific as usual. Um, you're a great guest, and and we really appreciate you. And thank you for working with the IAAI as you always have, and we'll continue. Um, say hi to your lovely wife for us, and um, and um, and do do keep up the good work. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much. You, you two have a great day, and uh, look forward to listening to your next show. All Thanks, right. Bill. Thanks. All right. Well, next show. Well, let's talk about the next show. We've got a, a very good, uh, another very good guest, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Uh, he's um, he's hilarious. He's he's got a he's got a show of his own called Morning to Morning. and uh, and so it's on fire, death, grief counseling, but it's all deaths, really. So um, thank you for being here and speaking of fire. We hope to see you next week or hear you or you hear us or whatever and, that goes. And remember, we're on, and we're on demand <laughs> also. So uh, you can always get us through www.speakingoffire.com also. Uh, thank you for being and here and come back to Speaking of Fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week. <laughs>